in 17 hours Picking me a bouquet of dogwood flowers And I'm hoping for rally I can see my baby tonight So rock me mama like a wagon wheel Rock me mama any way you feel Hey mama rock me Rock me mama like the wind Welcome in, you are listening to a very special episode of the Keep the Change podcast and one that has been highly requested as well. So someone very, very famous in the finance world in this day and age now sitting across from me, Leighton Roberts, the CEO and co-founder of Sharesies. Mate, good to see you. Yeah, kia ora. thank you for having me. Not a problem. I saw, I saw something earlier, 3EO. Yeah. Is that, do you guys make that up? Is that There's actually a... Oddly, a couple of other three or co-CEO models with three people around, but yeah, yeah, not that many. No. So you sort of share the captaincy, the CEO. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We've had a, you know we all have our ins and outs and off and on days, but it's a pretty good model. It works for us. Yeah, cool, good on you. Okay, so this tune, one of your faves, Wagon Wheel. <laughs> yeah. It was my joke at the start, but we've gone with it now. So yeah. yeah, I find that people either love or hate that song. Eh, I definitely do love it, particularly if I've. You know, at a wedding or something, I'm always chuffed when that comes on. Yeah, yeah, people Slightly embarrassingly so, but yeah, people love to get in behind it, mate. Let's touch on a little bit of background of Shazies first, just to bring people up to speed. But I'd imagine if they want to go dive deep into the, the backstory of Shazies and whatnot, you can do that on your podcast. You've been interviewed by multiple people by now as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Google should sort you out. Yeah. So Shazies starts 2017. Is that right? Yeah. Actually, we started in a room the bank we used to work at, Kiwi Bank, seven years ago. So that was that was late 2016, but yeah, yeah pretty much. 2017, June 2017, we brought on our first customers. Well, wow. did they know that you were scheming that in the background? Because I was going to say, shit, imagine if they put a claim to like, hey. They did, they were actually sponsoring an accelerator, so oh, we, we, had, we were completely transparent about it and everything and had a lot of support actually and always very grateful for that. They even let us keep our jobs while we went and gave it a try for a while. Yeah, good on you. Good lesson in management actually, I think. It's yeah. Great. Empowering your people. Yeah. Yeah. And so there were, how many of there were you? So there was six of us who co-founded the business. So that was, which is odd in itself, like you touch on with the three. So Brooks, Sonia and I went full-time first uh, first, and we're like the co-CEOs. Uh, we've got the more product, marketing, finance type backgrounds. Yeah. And then Richard, Martin and Ben. So they, they came on a little bit later, but they were still in those early conversations and the, they bought the technical and design side. So we, we sort of had a, a team or a business ready to go. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So just for some people, so you've quit your corporate roles at, mm-hmm. at Kiwi Bank, yep. is that right? Two of us at Kiwi Bank, one at zero. Okay, yeah, yep. sure. And that, did you, did you have funding at that stage? No, we, well, I mean, we had some of our own cash, not a yep. huge amount, not enough to quit our jobs, it turns out, <laughs> particularly as we were about to get married, but no, so it was sort of, let's give it a go, all that was going to come, we work that out at some yeah, point yeah just figure it out as you go yeah yeah the classic kiwi way because i think there's some people that are interested you know they might have an idea but they don't know what that next step is right of like mm. sometimes i get asked where's the where does like how do i get the funding yeah and i don't know i've never really gone out there and and sought funding for a, a massive idea but i suppose you have yeah and you just need to get into like these supportive places in all the cities even the smaller ones you know in New Zealand have like angel networks and stuff and you can go speak to people and generally you'll f- find very very supportive people and it's it's normally like you do need to have 
taken some risk, I think. Well, if yeah. Sometimes I'll just be talking to my own investment philosophy here, but you want to yeah. see some commitment for someone before mm-hmm. you're going to go give them a bunch of your money to go through something. And I think sometimes people that approach me anyway, they like they, they want that bit covered before they've done the next step. But I think if you're prepared to take three months risk and go validate an idea and get something moving, then actually capital, if it's got some legs, is is reasonably well it's easy enough to come by yeah so what you're saying there is a common pitfall for people is that they think they can just kind of not take any risk come to somebody and say Still hey get the upside yeah. you, you put the money up and then I'll, I'll make it happen once you put the money on the table that's right yeah, yeah. and like but I'll still keep most of the business, and, yeah. um, which is all fair. Like you want founders to own most of the business and stuff, but you do want to show they're up for a bit of, well, they, you got to show you have belief, I suppose, even yeah. for yourself. Okay. So if anyone's listening and you've got an idea out there or you want to go down an entrepreneurial journey that isn't necessarily going to need to be funded by the bank, the first step would be looking up some of those angel type networks in different areas. I saw a great story the other day about Blenheim, I think, where people meet yep. and people pitch ideas and yeah, people kick some coin in. Yeah. yeah. So those exist around the country? Yep. Everywhere's yep. got them. They're a Google away. You know, feel free to s- send me a message on LinkedIn or anything. I can send yeah. you. They're, like, we know all these people, like, and they're yeah. great. They're, they can be really helpful. Awesome. But lesson two there is don't just expect to put your hand out and have somebody give you money because you've got a cool idea or, you know, why not? Why not you? Actually have a plan, solve a problem in the market and have a vision and sell the vision to the person with the cash. Yeah, exactly. In our case, we'd already quit our jobs. We'd, we were three months in of running this business, which had no customers. You know? Yeah. And we'd spent heaps of time talking to people and started building a product and building a community as well. So nice. uh, that was our sort of proof points. Um, but yeah, you do, have to sh- you do have to have that commitment. Okay. The cool. idea is the easy part. The idea is, yes, yes. <laughs> Shit, you just really threw me with the community piece. But I'm going to go there, which I should go there later on. But community, did you know back then that it was really important? Yes. Yeah. How did you know that? Because that's like really fashionable now. And I think everyone's slowly figuring it out. Even some of the big players who I thought have taken way longer to figure it out. But it's like a really, that's a real thing. Yeah. We knew it, I think, because as simple as speaking to customers. Like, so rewind five years or six years. If you ask people, could they invest? Most people would say no. Like, even if they had KiwiSaver, whatever it was, they just they weren't investors in their view. wasn't something they could do. And if then asked, well, where if you were to become one, who would you be trusting of? It would it was friends and family. It wasn't advisors or professionals or anything. So it was like, right, we we need to create a place where friends and family are talking about money. Yeah. And specifically, something that we're building to use with that product. And so I, I think that was a big part of the community building. I think as a founding team as well, we, we sort of knew like this marketing side, we didn't have any money. So how are you going to get people to build this yeah. thing and encourage them to put $50 a week or something like So yeah, was always big and you're right, it has become much more popular. And part of it, is it because you were already doing a mini community piece with some of your friends putting in some money, effectively like a share club? Yeah, I don't, so I've never made that connection before possibly, okay. but like the share club, uh, formed lots of what we ended up doing with Sharesies but the the community building part yeah I guess we always wanted to be a place where you could openly talk about money and investment and that not be embarrassing and you not look like a bit of a dick you know yeah cool okay sorry took us on a tangent there right back to 2017 you kick it off you quit your jobs you've got the idea you start seeking some some funding from some people some people then finally believe in you yep to keep it going and then the build begins 
No, the build's already, already already on well on its way by then. Yeah. By this by the time we got funding, we'd started doing some podcasts. We'd been chatting with a few people what we were trying to do. Again, podcasts weren't much no. like they are today, but it's funny eh, how quickly it comes six years later. But we managed to get a little bit of media just talking about what we were going to be doing. We were everywhere on social. Like we wrote heaps and heaps of blogs about money, education, just trying to engage people in it and, yeah. and, and hear more about it. So and we had a wait list. So I think we had about five or six thousand people, which um, in today's context doesn't sound like a lot but that was a huge mo- amount of momentum for a business that yeah. no one had ever heard of or, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's sort of what we raised the initial capital on that story yeah okay because you could prove that you've effectively validated your idea and the market demand is there because you've built a wait list yeah we're saying look we're, we're building this here and, and we've got customers ready to sign up and uh that, that was enough between that people there's, there's a bit of a dating process with investors sometimes depending on how much they're putting in yeah and, but particularly for the first person who's putting in a reasonable amount in and i think the first reasonable size investment for us was about 100 grand and a guy from a guy called kirk gibbons but he we sort of met over coffee he decided he liked us he liked the idea could see that it was a big market so things start to line up yeah and and from there, once you've got your first dollar, it tends to be a little bit easier to get your second and your third and stuff like that. So yeah. th- then you've got some money to do something with. Yeah, Kurt Gibbons, I think he is he involved in uh, packaging and stuff like that. I think he is. he is. No, yeah, yeah, he's for some of the drinks. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, so just on that, Kurt puts his hundred rack in, and hopefully he's happy with us talking about. This. <laughs> I think I've seen him mention it every now and again in the media. Okay, so. sweet. So. Does he still have his investment in the yep. company? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Because I was just, just going to use that as an example of if he then sold that out at a multiple tax-free mm. gain, right? Yeah. Okay. And okay. Which, yeah, if he's got it on capital account rather than revenue account, so mm-hmm. he's not trying to actively make a, a profit out of it as such. Yeah. And I just think, you know, people sometimes don't understand those things. But, okay, so you find some investors and then what what sort of like really gets it to that tipping point where you know shit? We've really got something here, and sometimes I talk about like kicking the snowball down the hill, and sometimes you feel like you're pushing it, and then all of a sudden you're in front of it, and you're getting to direct where it goes. Yeah, how long did that bit oh, take? Man. It's always feeling changes all the time, you know. So yeah, I've got this thing under control, and it's like, oh no, I don't. You know. yeah. Um, yeah, but the there was a couple of moments like uh, raising the capital was all good, but that's just a it's just a starting point. Like you've still got no customers and no revenues, but pointless. What really started is when we managed to, to launch our product. Actually, there was one step before that, which is we managed to find out from discussions. We spoke with everyone in the industry on whether we can make this work and whether it would work from a regulatory point of view. And finally, we met with some people who managed to help us shape that and say, yes, this this works. You're like You've got something that is cool. compliant here. So that was a big milestone. It's like, right, our business model works, right? It's like, okay, it's legal, we, it's legal and we can make money from it yeah. even at this scale. Cool. So that was huge. And then the next part was, and I remember our engineers and being our design often talk about this, um, one of their memories is like they sort of came out of this hole, I guess, of building the thing for a couple of months. And then they're like, right, well, we've got a product now ready to onboard some people. What are we going to do? And like Martin in particular talks about not even observing the fact that we've been out there doing this community building and stuff. We were like, oh, cool. We'll just go to the wait list. He was like, what wait list? <laughs> you know? yeah. And then, then we're like, oh, here's an email list of six or 7,000 people we, we had. And then we went out to them and they just started to sign it up and remember it blowing his mind, but I was sitting there watching our admin dashboards and stuff, which are also brand new, just watching these names start, you know, join on the... Wow. And that was like, that was a big moment. I remember just watching that and I was addicted because that 
that point our systems didn't auto refresh either so I just sat there pressing enter there's lots of jokes about me wearing out the enter, enter key <laughs> <laughs> wow to see the people individually yeah, yeah. Up. refresh refresh yeah, yeah. yeah that it, was, it was only one every two hours or something you know still. so it's still a lot of refreshes for not that many hits yeah do you what do you think that is because at the moment I'm doing a webinar for the back end of this year and I still get excited when I call go to the inbox oh a couple of emails there I wonder if one of them's a sign up to the webinar yeah. yes it is boom yeah, but, it's amazing, hey? Yeah. I've got that happening with KiwiSaver right now. We've just launched True. publicly KiwiSaver. Thankfully, we get more than member every two hours, you know, these days. But, yeah. like, I love that refresh button. <laughs> Don't need to press it because it auto-refreshes now, but I still <laughs> press it anyway just for the stuff. The decks uh, come a long way. Do you think it's just the, the game of business and the sort of the art of that and you kind of, like, you know that people actually want something that you're giving to the market and it's such a cool feeling? Product market, it's like the... You know, you're delivering, that's what you're trying to do, deliver value in, in a way that resonates with people and you've talked to people trying to solve a problem for them, they start using it, you know, and then the sign-up's one thing and then once they start putting money in, that's even like more amazing. I remember the first time someone put $10,000 into Sharesies, which was a big deal. Yeah. And like, unfortunately, they took it out the next day, it was a bit sad, and I called <laughs> them up to ask why. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, they didn't quite have trust yet, which was fair. But I remember when they arrived, it was like, wow, that's mad. Someone's putting $10,000 into this yeah. product. And now that happens probably, I don't know, probably lots and lots of times a day. Yeah, a day, yeah. Yeah, well, there's several million dollars deposit in the platform. I'm not sure how many, maybe somewhere between five, ten million a day. Yeah. yeah, wow. All right, we'll get to all of that. Okay, so what was the growth like pre the pandemic, that 2017 to sort of 2020 period? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it grew like it was, have you heard of the hockey stick? You know, the, yeah. it was like we'd sort of, um, the first part of growth for us was that wait list. So we sort of got a quick tick up and then it got hard for a while again. You've got it past that early, really early adopter stage and then you yeah. have to even more work even harder on this community building and getting people to engage with them. Really need to listen to people, make sure you're building what they want. So, we, I mean, we were still always growing. We had steady growth right, right the way through. I think we had about 100,000 customers or so coming into March 2020. So it wasn't yeah. a massive business, but it wasn't tiny either. Yeah, it's still in the scheme of New Zealand businesses to have 100,000 customers is it's yeah. a shitload of Kiwis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and then the community piece as well, you kept that going via a Facebook group. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Primarily through the Facebook group. And just again, I mean, we'd also do in person events, yeah. particularly pre COVID. We used to run these cheer clubs and we'd invite people along and just really try make it an accessible place for people to go talk about investment. Yeah, okay. And in those first few years, were any of the sort of people in your space that are offering share purchases, were they starting to, to take a bit of notice of like, oh shit, what are these guys doing here? Yeah, I think they were mostly, I mean, it was all pretty friendly to be honest and still is. Yeah. Um. Like we were engaging people and because people were starting to look at it, they were also looking at other places too, you know, like it's not like everyone we engaged in that community used Shearsies, that's not what happened. Mm. Lots of them went to choose other ways of doing it. So I think by and large, like we were seen as growing a pie, um, for want of a better term, and, and, and lots of people jumped on that bandwagon. I think overall that's been really, really net positive, New, Zealander and their mo- New Zealanders and their money. Yeah, I would agree, you know, Actually, I think for the first time, got hundreds of thousands of Kiwis at scale thinking about investing, right? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about, you know, we'll pop into the office on the other side of this, and myself, Jade, and Phil, we all have a Shares account. 
you know, 100% success rate in that room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's mad. Like, same thing. I remember seeing someone on the bus once in front of me. And I'm like, oh, that is crazy. Yeah, well, that would have been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I missed a massive question, mate. Why? You know, why was this important for all of you to, to start and to set up? Yeah, the... Like, Sonia had the initial idea of this, well, um, twofold, actually, that that she wanted a place where you can invest in a fun way with $50 and, like, try it, and there's nowhere that you could do that. And that's how we got connected. I had the share club, and she was sort of... And we started talking, and, and Brooke and I were looking at setting up a business around education, and, and yeah. we just got talking, and uh, the problem, like, the whole avocado on toast thing was big. Like, you know, that's millennials right. can't buy houses because of... They eat too much money. Avocado. Um, avocado on toast and that, that sort of stuff just was always driven me nuts. That rhetoric. Yeah, <laughs> like I, there is sacrifices you have to make in life, but I, I don't think you have to view everything as giving up something or like. And there's way more bigger problems than, than mm. avocado on toast, as we know, as to buying a house, right? Yeah. So it was just how are we going to help people and grow wealth in a in a way more aspirational way. So it's changed and grown heaps, but the problem was that simple. It's just like how are people going to not end up old and poor yeah we're we gonna help that yeah nice it's a pretty big problem to go after yeah it's a good example of trying to solve a big problem right like, yeah. and that takes a lot of grunt but there's a lot of upside to solving a big problem yeah, yeah three things i look for when i'm investing in companies or stuff like and the first one is how big's the problem therefore how big is the opportunity like some people say how big is the market and if you've got a big market then you've got something and everyone's got money in their life right and they, mm. they need that the second thing is how how good are the team and the likelihood of them being able to do it? So that's literally normally over a coffee or something. I can work out how and a little what they tell me about what they've put into date to make something work and give you an idea of that commitment and the then the background skills and stuff to making that work. Then the third being like, well, how are you going to fund it from here? Have you saved enough money yourself, or have you got investors lined up? And if I'm putting money in, who else is to make sure that you've got that? You know, if you want to grow a business at scale. You either have to take a long time, get very lucky, or have a lot of startup capital. Those yeah. are those are sort of the three options. So, do people? So, do you do quite a bit of investing in terms of like in that angel type space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're recently active in there. Yeah, yeah, nice one. As like Shares's group, or as no, just your so sort of back from my investment clubs. Actually, we started started yeah. doing that, and now I'm lucky enough to be able to do some of it personally as well. But yeah, yeah, as we grow out shares we like we still our vision is the same money opportunities for someone five dollars and five million so that means way more options and there is a lot of options opportunity in the private markets that a lot of people don't get access to yeah particularly in the good deals like you know it's like um sometimes it's reserved for the sometimes you feel like it's reserved didn't work over here so i'll try retail or something like that you know it's like we want to really keep breaking down those doors it's not true for everything that would be yeah but it is true for a lot. So we want to just keep opening up these opportunities and the power of that community over time is something we'll be able to do. So we're going to keep focused on that. So is that something that's sort of on the roadmap for Sharesies is being able to, for some people to be able to access those types of investments? But I guess then yeah. you've got layers of wholesale investing and all sorts of different shit, right? Or I mean, well, there's so many ways you can approach that, right? Like yeah. we're a um, licensed manager now as well so you can go down that track with regards could be a diversified fund or there's yeah. different ways you can make that available there's always a way like if and if you've mm. got the challenges the cost and the scale of can you achieve that stuff so there's there's some there's some things that make it challenging but it's something that we need to do more of in New Zealand we need more good companies getting started up that are funded enough to get big and therefore just you know keep adding to that ecosystem yeah cool 
So then it inspires the next generation of entrepreneur to go, oh, there is a pathway here. Yeah. Yeah. Like New Zealand, um, we have this weird, maybe it's part of the tall poppy thing or something, I don't know, but we always cap our ambitions so mm. so early in the piece and uh, right down to, you know, I think so much talk about money in in the media or anywhere actually is it's always like let's focus on whatever's happening in the political sense or whether there is the fees sense or whether it's the return sense or something I, I don't know but ultimately like if we're all focused on growing this pie and making it a way bigger robust economy with higher wages and more companies coming through with more opportunity all of that other stuff doesn't really matter like it pales in comparison you sort of you just got to focus on that mass Australia does it so well yeah and it's got its own problems, don't get me wrong, but like that ambition and, and having that capital available to have real impact is super excites me. And I think that's the sort of movement we're trying to make mm. at Shazies. Do you think part of that is that Australians, because they do superannuation so much different to us, yeah. they naturally feel wealthier because they've got that area of their life a little bit more under control, knowing I've got 200 grand sitting there. It's quite good. I can't touch it, but it's accumulating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're not just naturally feeling wealthier. They are wealthier right, yeah, true, from the data. But yeah, yeah, that makes a huge part of it in the education around it. And like I say, there's still lots of poverty problems in Australia as mm. well, but I'm sort of talking like in averages here. And if we can keep dragging averages up, that's going to be good for everyone. Yeah. Just explain that a little bit more on the pie piece, because I think there are some people who believe the pie is a set sort of size and you can only really get a smaller portion of it or it keeps yeah. getting cut down. When you say it can keep getting bigger, what does that look like? It means that we have more companies either doing more business in New Zealand for New Zealanders and also delivering more services to people around the world. So at the moment, we use so many, just think about how much money we send overseas using different mm. company services every day. It's huge and sure, most of them are taxed in New Zealand so the government's getting some taking and therefore we're getting something back. But as far as like where that wealth ends up, it tends to be in global shareholders or yeah. um, it just happens. And, you know, we're not terrible at it. We've got some amazing companies and we should ride those waves of the companies that are doing really well um, to keep driving that. So, yeah, and effectively, the more and more we, we take of that pie, the more we grow our own economy and the more that we have other people spending into our businesses that we own, the larger that pie gets and, and it's just far bigger um, you know, if I look at Sharesies, for example, if I'd wanted to own 100% of Sharesies right from the start, it would still be a very small business. Now, as a founding team, we own 30% of Sharesies, but it's it's much larger and that's worth a lot more than what 100% would have ever been if we'd just tried to go it alone capital-wise. Yeah. I guess the, the example that I've been able to witness in my space is zero. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where my life is completely different because of Rod Drury and his team and you know this week just gone I went to an accounting conference for a day I know don't turn off people <laughs> there's a thousand accountants there yeah you know and I'm like holy shit I'm coming at it from an angle of wow they can get a thousand people in the room that's fucking epic yeah um, but you know and then they're trying to teach them they're trying to educate them they're trying to show them how to use technology to put time back in their day to then use that time to help business owners to then make their businesses better. Massively. And that all starts with, you know, good technology. But then I look at it too and think they had uh, these winners of different awards and they're all around the world. And I'm thinking, holy oh, shit, I'm just thinking like zero New Zealand still, but it's selling into all these different Yeah, New Zealand countries. is tiny now for zero, right? It's, yeah. It's, it is mad and that's a great example. Yeah, well, it's cool to see, and I think it's inspiring for Kiwis to see that this stuff can happen, and even for you guys branching out over into Australia, right? Yeah. You know, because you're then getting a 
bit of their coin and saying, hey, let's send that back over here. Well, if, if that's how it works, but you know, you're thinking bigger than just New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. And making, you know, putting NZX companies available to Australians as well. Like this, that's not very readily available over there. Oh, so the Aussies can then invest into, yeah, yeah. gotcha. So there's quite a few different ways, but and there, like I said, there are lots of companies doing a great job, but the more of us that can be involved in that and be confident around it and dedicate some of our capital to that as opposed to houses, you know, it's going to, it's going to be, yeah. We get this going to be better. Yeah. Shit, mate, you're the first person on the pod that said it without me having to say it about the houses. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I'm getting in trouble for saying that. Okay, so let's look at now. How, how big is Sharesies now in terms of number of customers? Yeah, let's go New Zealand customers, if you know. Yeah, so New Zealand, about 550,000, 5, 60, maybe 570, somewhere. Nice, yeah. 550,000. How many businesses in New Zealand would have a database like that big? Not many. You'd have an I E New Zealand... Know. Spark maybe, like those. That's pretty. That's that's yeah. The banks, of course. Yeah, yeah. the banks. True. That's yeah. basically maybe. Well, I suppose once you strip maybe. out, yeah, true. People that because you can't invest if you're under eighteen. Oh, you, I suppose you can put your you kids can have accounts, yeah, but true. yeah, it's through the still yeah. the same investing. Yeah, it's a it's a decent chunk of of yeah, the entirety of New Zealand, right? Yeah. It is, and particularly in the uh, twenty five to to forty five age bracket. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And then what about Australia? Where are you guys at there? Australia is about 67,000, I think. How's that been, like trying to uh, grow into Australia? Oh, it's been a super exciting journey and it comes with a whole bunch of new learnings, like trying to start up a company when you're already, I wouldn't say a big company, but a bigger company. You know, it's not just you sort of going alone against the world anymore. You've got this, Yeah, you've got these competing priorities the whole time. And also a completely different market environment. And it's true that New Zealand and Australia are very similar, but we're also very, very different. So learning about that and when being Kiwi just just is so inherent to us. You know, we know sort of how our friends think. It doesn't take too much research to get on mm. the same page. In Australia, you've got to go to all, all of that again. So it's been a pretty, it's been an epic journey. And then you've got regulatory thing as well and the regulators do uh that close enough to be dangerous i would say and and some of what's expected of you like you really need to understand those differences yeah so you got you know licensing over there uh so it's complex but it's a big big opportunity it's a much larger country than new zealand and they're really interested in investing and there's a lot of people there just like new zealand who don't invest still that absolutely well they know they should so that's, well, that's an awesome place for us that's sort of like a bit of a sweet spot i suppose yeah so what would funds under management be in total so did about five billion volume in the last 12 months funds under management so in custody about 2.7 billion um i say that because some people use csn's and different registers and stuff so yeah, um, that's the actual in custody amount. When you say five billion in volume, is that total purchases or is that? It's almost yeah. Most both. most people are buyers on the platform. Yeah. yeah, so it's buying and selling. So yeah, I um, see. Yeah, yeah. So then that two point seven billion bucks. That like, where does that actually sit? How does that work? Because I do have a question, which I'll uh, I asked a few people from the old audience. Okay, right questions, yeah. and someone's question. I'll read it so that I get it right. But it's basically like. Oh, with shares is you don't actually own the shares; yeah. they own them, something like that. So, can you debunk that for us? How does yeah, that well, work? You definitely own the shares. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And so it's custody. If if we are holding it for you, which you you can't move them off and on a CSM, which is direct onto the register in New Zealand. But if if you 
if we are holding them for you, then it's in custody, and that ex- means exactly that. Like we are the custodians of those for you, and we will look after them. Uh, but they're still yours, and if anything was happened to Shazies, they're still yours. They would just move into your own name, and yeah. uh, or you'd have to take them to a different platform. And there's a bit of irony around that because that, this sort of got traction, a little bit of traction, I would say, as. Uh, and I don't really know where it came from. I don't know if it was driven from competitors or... But it's a highly regulated space, custody, and it used to be what the wealthy people paid for. So, in fact, in most brokers, the traditional brokers, you still pay a lot more to be in custody than you do to have it on the share register because your corporate actions are done for you. You get the comms through one platform. You can see all your balances. You don't normally help your tax. Like You get all this sort of support around it. Yeah. So, so yeah, the answer is yes, you own the shares on Sharesies, and the model is, is through custody. Okay, cool. So it effectively sits in a big pool of, well, you guys take the money, right, but then you go and pay for the shares, but you sit on the custody of that. If anything was to ever happen to Sharesies, everyone, I guess, would get notified, hey, look, you need to put this under your own name now. Yeah, I mean, it would that would be taken out of Shazzy's hands. That would that would happen. happen to There'd you. be a process through the liquidators or whoever that was. That's right. Yeah, but we're so like you know one of the things we're regulated on is capital adequacy. So how much capital we've got every single day. We we do reports for our regulators on the capital adequacy of our business, and that yeah. basically means are we you know do we hold enough capital to continue to operate in the industry we operate on? So there's a huge amount of regulation around that. Um, because at one stage, I think you guys did move eh, from basically paying, I think, every couple of days to every, was it seven days? Is that right? Uh, sorry, say that one more time. So I think you could you could sell on sharesies and basically, I think the next day you'd get your money. Is oh, that right, right? right. No, that was, we used to, we used to basically do like a thing where if we were holding enough client, so what's an example? If you had $1,000 of E New Zealand, you bought it and I sold $500 and overall Got we have to pay $500 somewhere else yep. and basically we, we, as part of an order review, got some some advice that that's not how we should do it going forward. Yeah. So effectively, we don't settle, we, we don't lend any money out of our own buffer or anything uh, and you wait until we've actually received the dollars. Okay. So And we used to just sort of be... Um, we used to just give you that effectively out of our own buffers. I see. And then some people thought that was, but it didn't happen for everyone. It was only people doing smaller withdrawals. Yeah. So gotcha. if it was big enough and we couldn't, like, you know, it was our money basically yeah. going out to cover it. So, Mate, I noticed it, so it must have been I was uh, dealing in some very small <laughs> volumes. <laughs> I was able to be cleared out the next day. What's the average balance that some that, that everyone's got in, in their um, sharesies now? Do you know? It's about $5,000. About five k. Okay, cool. And it, it's anyone from you know a few few dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, right through to millions. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, what's the biggest? I think it's about five million or something like that. Five million. Yeah. I think I saw. I don't know if you saw this, but um, a guy I know, a very nice guy, done. He's done very well. He he dropped the screenshot of his shares he's on LinkedIn, maybe at the start right. of this year, and he caught like a fifty percent hiding, but mm. it was in the in the millions. Right, and he was basically. I think it was very well positioned content, but he was asking people, you know, would you stay? Right. Do you write it out? Like, you know, this is the the things that investors go through. But I thought, man, that is because not many people would be able to put their ego aside and go, right, I'm just gonna 
you know, interestingly, people tend to be much happier sharing war stories like that than, than yeah. hey, I've made. Like, I think it's more unlikely they'd share one yeah. the other way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually don't know what that biggest um, account number is. It might be larger than that, but yeah, it's there's some big balances there, that's for sure. What's the most asked FAQ? At the moment, it's about um, a dark mode. Okay, <laughs> really? really common, yeah. Yeah. And I th- the team are looking into that. There's something to do with the web app and native app, which doesn't make that as easy as what it, as it should be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I see that coming through in the feedback a lot at the top. So people want to be able to log into ShareZ's and have it on dark mode? When it turns out a huge amount of people use dark mode all the time, yeah. way more people than what I would have ever guessed. I think it's like 40% of our customers or something have dark mode on, sure. on their phone the whole time. So it's a big number. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And there was, I guess let's touch on fees because fees changed a little while back there, right? So what was that all about? And then what's the response been like to that? Um, the response, not a lot of response, I would say. And well, with regards to behavior anyway, there was a little bit of noise. People change is always, and particularly mm. pricing change. It doesn't tend to be. And I think we were early in the cycle of fee changes as well. Yeah. But uh, the reason was we started to, when we first started, we were by far the cheapest in market, pretty much everything we did. And then as it's, as things have changed, competitors have entered the market, different things, um, and our suppliers have changed pricing. We started to find that we were very, very cheap on the small, very small trades and started to get expensive on the bigger trades. So with the uncapped and stuff. So yeah. we just needed to reposition ourselves. Effectively, a huge number of the trades that were going through the platform we were wearing a loss on, which is, you know, from a purpose point of view, um uh that's there's there's a reason to do that and it got people engaged and everything like that but it's not a sustainable long-term strategy particularly if competitors are changing or the pricing structure underneath you is changing so that was the main reason we did that we also introduced plans which are incredibly good value and people you know we're really trying to engage people with these plans and stuff because there's a huge amount of people that that should look at that and would find the they've got some money to save there so i think they're three dollars seven dollars and fifteen dollars is that right roughly that's right yeah Because I think, yeah, I might be on a $7 type to cover some, some auto buyers each each month. And then I sold some shares in a stock that are being purchased by an American company. So they rocketed up. And because I'm not on that higher plan, I think I got a one-off fee on that because it would have gone outside of my... But the activator in me made us just like, oh, well, sell it, pay the fee, it is what it is. But probably I should have moved up the subscription band. If it was a US share. Oh, no, it's a New Zealand oh, stock, share, but right. it's an American company going to buy them out. Yeah, yeah, possibly on the... Yeah. That's... It would depend on the math is, but yeah. But is that top end of that subscription or that model, does that cover you for kind of... So like those guys that have got... Uh, guys and gals that have got 5 million in their safe, they're actively yeah. like buying large chunks. I mean, we have fee caps on everything, so it becomes almost nothing for them. Like the people in that big in those really big amounts tend to be by far the least price sensitive anyway, which is actually a bit of a challenge for a new company <laughs> when, yeah. when you've got such great fees compared to somewhere else they might be going. Um, but it's always something that's interesting, I think. Okay. And so then KiwiSaver is the next big project at the moment, right? Mm. And yeah. so that's fully launched now? Yep. Because there was a wait list for that too, right, at one stage? Yep. that's yep. right. Yep. It's launched. 
So it's just a few days old in the public now, which is wow. really exciting. Yeah, good on you. Been a big journey. And so what does that allow someone to do? So it allows you to move your KiwiSaver over to Sharesies and you can either do that like you would do it where you do it right now, which is into a growth conservative balance type fund. We have a range of options there you can choose from. Uh, and they, that covers passive and active and sustainable. Or we will grow that out, by the way, as, as, we, as we continue to grow it. Um, and you can also self-select a portion of your KiwiSaver. So if you wish to, uh, you can self-select up to half of your balance, or sorry, not balance, of your contributions, the money going in. And that's capped at 5% per individual choice. Oh, I see. So if I dumped, if I move my 60 grand over there, I can't go and self-select 30 grand? I can? can? Yeah. Okay. But I can't put more than 5% into one, I see. So you're putting some, you're putting the guardrails up a little bit. They are, they're called guardrails, yeah. Yeah. And we've just got them at a starting point because we'll learn more about how people behave. It may be that there's different ways we, we'll manage this down the track. Well, there definitely will be changes. We just yeah. started at a point where people will not um, put themselves in a position with their superannuation that, that is detrimental to them, to their overall wealth. So it's started there and then we'll learn and we'll change that as we need to. Because the risk is that people like me that think they know a bit more than what they probably do start just punching the money from one share to the other and moving around a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, that is a risk. Although, um, that's not something we see a huge amount of on Chessies. Like, the risk is more someone... Look, this is to cover probably quite a small percentage. Most people use Chessies are very rational. Probably 98% of the portfolios are, like, yeah, pretty normal portfolios, right? You could have gone to advisor and got that. And then there's the others, and, like... You know, we just don't want it all in GameStop. <laughs> or yeah. I don't know what the thing is, but you don't know what the next it, thing might be. Yeah, yeah. There'll be something. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, because I, I used to manage my own um, through another provider. Mm-hmm. Now, I've recently changed that, getting to the stage where I don't pay enough attention to it to really go, right, is this smart? But once I moved that out, each of those shares had to be sold out individually, and the fee was quite uh, quite grunty on getting rid of uh, of each of those, which is expensive. Is that, are your fees for, like how do the, the fees work for the KiwiSaver side of things? So that you, on the base fund, you just pay whatever you would at the manager normally. Yeah. So yeah, literally whatever that manager fee is. And on the self-select, it's 1% up to $1,000 and 0.1% after that. And then there's a 15 basis point custody administration fee. So, yeah, that, that's how it works. The, the fees are all completely transparent. You can you can see exactly what it's going to cost with a planned builder on our website, which you can also go through and see there exactly what it's going to cost you in fees yeah. uh, and how that impacts. So, yeah, it's it's all it's all completely trans, transparent with regards to that. If you can get a slice of that KiwiSaver pie, shit, that's going to be pretty exciting, right? Yeah, I mean, it's $100 billion now, which is, is exciting. Yeah. And I also think like having more people engaged with it is nowhere near big enough, right? Mm. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do. We want to engage people with it more so they put more into it. They actually have a chance of hitting those retirement goals. And Yeah. yeah. I think the average balance is roughly around twenty eight to 30000 Yeah, I think it's twenty six, twenty seven on on those who are participating. Shit. Oh, with you guys? 
No, that's oh. that's the market. Okay. And then I think 40% of people have less than $10,000 in KiwiSaver. Right, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. And so the default averages are much lower, for example, which is scary, right? Like, yeah. super's not going to cover us when we get there. Ah. So we've really got to find a way to engage them with it and hopefully, you know, having having something with people where they feel like the two things we were trying to tackle was connection and control. How do I feel more connected to it and how can I take more control of it? Because that's what people told us they wanted. If you come back to the outcomes piece of it, we again we put a lot of attention on fees and returns in KiwiSaver, which we should, right? There's a point where that becomes and we should be super transparent on it. But the you know, the future value money formula and stuff, like the, the big driver is whatever that payment number is, how much you're putting in and how regularly. That's where you get your compounding effects and then how long have you been there for? Yeah. So that's that's like where we really want to go. And as things, you know, we'll con- continue to support people to get good outcomes on that return stuff and that'll be with how we use guardrails or advice into the future or whatever it is we decide to do and then likewise with fees making sure that we continue to be you know right in the market with that yeah and so when you were designing this like did you have to get or did you get feedback from FMA or just different people involved saying hey you know this is the design aspects that we'd recommend so that it's sort of Safer. Yeah, uh, we've got exemptions which you have to have because of the types. So we're like basically we're a pie still, so it's tax efficient, you know. Yeah. And in individual equities, which is weird, you know, it's a big deal right now, right? With thirty nine percent versus for some people, twenty eight, thirty three versus twenty eight. Yeah, true. Yep. And through that process, things like that, we needed a huge number of exemptions or quite a few exemptions to make sure we could do it. So they're like, we've probably been through the most thorough KiwiSaver licensing process that any firm has been through. Yeah. Wow, nice. What's the uptake been like so far for the KiwiSaver side of things? I think we're about 3,300 when I um, last looked. It's pretty exciting. Nice, nice. But I'm going to dig into a couple of questions that people have asked. So, oh yes, this is something, oh there's two things. So one thing that I always see, so before I ask people about you know, what do you want to know, people say like, where do I get started with investing? I'm like, I don't I don't want to answer that. Surely Sharesies have got way more education and material and podcasts than than I do because my basically my education is well my answer my real answer is if you've got fifty dollars to invest, amazing. If it's worth fifty five dollars at the end of next year, is it going to change your life? No. Yeah. So get started. Yeah. The reason you, the reason you're not starting is because you're probably scared and this is all new to you, that's fine. Part of investing is learning and going on a new education journey. And even if you said it was $500 and it became 550 in a year's time, is or it going to change your life? Yeah, yes, yeah. Is it going to change your life? No, but you're going to learn something. And I think trying to ask somebody else, you know, what do I invest in? What share? How do I get started? You, you've got to go on that individual journey for yourself. And yes, there are people like yourselves who are trying to help people get started. But do you get that same question where people sign up or do you see the data where people sign up and then don't ever make a deposit or put 10 cents in to see are you going to steal it or what, what happened? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man, croaky voice. Yes, uh, we see all of that. And um, and I have the same answer. You've just got to get started and start learning. And funds are great. You don't have to pick if you don't want. And if you do, you normally know, like you know what companies you like to use every day you like using them probably others do too so google it yeah and then start investing and, and 
like the habit is way more important. That is the most valuable part of what you start to do before any return or any choice matters. So, and again, I don't want to completely say that it's not important. I just think we put so many people off by giving them too many things to think about. Yeah. Like put the money in, start the habit. To your point, like at the end of a year, you've managed to put $50 a week in. Like Honestly, I think back to when I started investing with my $50 a week. If I'd lost half of it, I would still be like, you know, a lot better off than what I would have been if I hadn't put that money there. Yeah. Like that depends on what your behaviors are, right? Some people have very good money behaviors. I wasn't one of those people. And if you want to be an investor, then you've just got to start. You can you can back that over a long period of time, markets and economies will continue to grow, right? The, the, the economy is literally geared towards it. And if it doesn't, we've got way bigger problems. Yeah. So being being there, being diversified and learning the journey just like you do with anything else and then not overthinking it for $50 because you don't overthink that dinner you just bought with the takeaways or whatever it is. It's, yeah. It's making that commitment and, and doing it. So yeah, just the just do it is the biggest thing, and then you and then do it, and then start your reading if that's what you need, <laughs> because otherwise you can procrastinate forever, and there's always something more to learn. Yes, and like at the end of the day, you touched on how you manage yours now. Like I, I, my investment strategy is like KiwiSaver into, um, into a managed fund. My, with you know, I've picked a couple of companies that I really like, but don't need to do that. Yeah, and that was like a confidence that came afterwards, right? Mm. And then I have an auto-invest and into some diversified funds, you know, and that's that's my strategy. And it doesn't, and lots of people are like, all right, now I've got to graduate onto whatever's next. I'm like, well, my job for the last, I don't know how long we've been in this industry, a long time, right? But I consider myself a pretty good investor, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I just use the most basic of the tools and and pick and choose some companies that I like, but... By and large, I'm going for diversification and playing the long game. Yeah. Are you happy to say some companies that you like? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. no. I'd love to. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm not shy of supporting different companies. And, and like, I I really like the community aspect or the, the storytelling of it. Like, I like mm. saying I've invested in, you know, Apple or whatever it is. I just pretend that it's yeah, Apple. Yeah. Would have done pretty well if I invested in Apple for as long as I'm investing, but yeah. I didn't, unfortunately. But I really like that part of it and... and reading about it and having that conversation and comparing like the war stories and stuff. Yeah. But, but generally like I like funds as well and I like hearing, reading from them and I'm more interested in the economy broadly and growing that pie. And I think if we can grow the economy broadly, then my um, investments will follow along nicely. Yeah. Nice. That's when I first started with investing, I, you know, everyone was talking about, Oh, get into the S and P 500 in America and stuff. I'm kind of like, well, I don't know any of those companies. I don't even follow the American economy. I don't really care. I like New Zealand businesses, I like the New Zealand economy, I like looking out the window, seeing what's happening, I like seeing how many trucks are on the road, I like seeing how many people are at the mall, like yeah. I like that shit, I'm weird, yes, but then that's what my investing was, was basically like, oh I wonder if I should buy Hallenstein's glass and shares, yeah. what about this bank, oh what happens with the different banks in New Zealand, and what about Main Freight and things like that, I drive past it when I go to the airport, yeah. fly to Australia, oh my god, Main Freight's here in, in Melbourne. Tangible right? Yeah. It's like a house. Yeah, and so I could see that stuff and I could understand it and I liked it. And then you can see the, the CEOs on the news. You can you can Google and you can find them quoted in the media. There's there's stories for it. But I know that for other people, they'll be like, New Zealand's tiny, the companies suck compared to America. What are you thinking? That's ridiculous. But I guess the point of that is you've got to find your own lane with this stuff and almost build up some confidence and then go, righto, you know, where else could I be looking? And and is it 
into some different parts of the world because then you're hedging with different currencies and things like that as well. But if you never start and if you're constantly worried about your 500 bucks or your first $50 not being a winner, then there's probably no point in starting because you like yeah. it's just going to be so hard the whole time. I mean, and it's a very long and bumpy road, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. It wouldn't return as well. Like I always love coming back to that. This, there's this formula that you learn or time value money, a concept that you learn very early in finance, probably first class in finance anyway. And the, the whole concept is a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow, but mm. it's eventually. <laughs> and like there's some good rules around it, but people turn, tend to invest and they will normally because of return, right? And then you have to acknowledge that return or the R in the, in the formula for return also represents risk. If you want more return, you've got to be open to more risk. Yeah. And basically, if the more return you want, the more risk you have to accept. And like, mm. as soon as people can make that connection in their mind, then if it goes down for a little while, it's like, oh, fine, I was going for a bigger return. You know, <laughs> as opposed to, hey, I went for this big return, it didn't deliver a big return. But again, it's yet normally. And so just encouraging people to think about that. It's like, it's not gambling, it's educated, right? It's you're taking, you're making a decision that you'll better returns over time by taking more risk now. And then you can cover that with things, quite simple tools like diversification. How um, how big has education been in terms of this journey f- for shares from day one? Because you're kind of trying to drag up, if that's the right terminology, hundreds of thousands of Kiwis that have had no real exposure to investing. And you're kind of going, well, here's a great business idea, but shit, we've got to educate the market on how all of this stuff works as well. So often we're just reinforcing things that people know. Yeah. So it's huge, like the amount of education work we do. But people get it with houses, right? Yeah. Like they know if you buy a house today and you sell it tomorrow, you're not going to make any money. Like you'll lose money on fees. Fees, fees on the house, buying and selling is expensive. Real estate agent with <laughs> Stoke though, they'll be happy to do it. That's right. Yeah. So, um, sorry, go. <laughs> the poor guy here, I've got him talking for an hour and gave him a tiny glass of water. <laughs> right. Sorry, it's all I've done today is talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and sit in the airport for like three hours because my flight was delayed. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, um, what were we talking about right then? Education. Oh, yeah, so education is huge, but yeah, we're just reinforcing these principles that people know already. They also know that sometimes, how, like right now, house prices are not what they were three years ago, but everyone gets it. No one's yeah. like, panic sell. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and look, by and large, the people that use shares are exactly the same. They tend to behave um, like really in line with institutions. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Right. Well, the second thing that I often see from people is them telling me that they're about to invest in KiwiSaver for their children. And I say, look, I'm not a financial advisor. I cannot help you in this area. What I would, would like to ask you is, are you aware that your child will not be able to access that until they go to buy a home? Or, or 65, for instance, because sometimes people tell me that for their children, they hear that they can basically, they can they can get it out. And I'm like, oh, that's, I don't think that's right. Or they think that they're going to get the government contribution. And so right, that's right. why they want to do it. But I've had a number of people that have then obviously seen that that's not the case where they won't get the government contribution, that they've gone, oh, no, we've not done KiwiSaver for our children. We have done, you know, we've used Shazies. So how big has Shazzy's been for, for kids? Because I've got a quick story here. We'd love to know how to set this up best for my kids. Three and 18 months, LOL. Absolute rookie over here. Let me know if you've already touched on this in other pods. 
So we can hear it from the man himself. Yeah, well, from a we have tens of thousands of kids on the platform, and the, we just had someone break the record of youngest kid on the platform, which was really cool. It was like six days and a bit, which is pretty amazing. And like you have to get an IRD number and everything if we can do this right. So I was yeah. like, someone is really committed here. And we found this out because one of our staff members was seven days and tried to break the record and yeah. didn't because didn't get the IRD number fast enough. Anyway, so there's heaps of people that do it. On KiwiSaver for Kids, like it's not by any means a bad idea. Like anywhere mm. that people are putting money in, like you say, you do get the first home buyer opportunity. And the most valuable thing through this, if you're not putting it in KiwiSaver or somewhere where it's locked in, is education, right? Because people tend to be absolutely hopeless as, and I'm including myself in this, but by the time you're like 18 to 20, I don't know, for me it was 25, 26 or something. Yeah. Like just, I, I if I did have any money, it disappeared like straight away, you know? Yeah. And it's just harder to think about taking that long view. And what we realize is people who are captured a bit younger than that can get those habits quite good. But people always used to say to me, is it a student platform and stuff like that? I'm like, no, we have like zero students. Like it's in the data. Yeah. Like there's no one that is like 20 or as a proportion, it's so underrepresented. It's almost comical. Wow. So um, that's that's really interesting for kids. Yet yeah, the thing with QE7, like there is a cost to liquidity, right? Like, and what I mean by that is if you have access to getting your money out of somewhere, you normally pay a price for that within reason. And KiwiSaver, you pay for that price, but you're not getting the liquidity. Yeah. And listed markets have a liquidity uh, cost into them. So it does make sense where possible not to have that barrier. And you can get like the pie tax benefits, which are good for kids as well. And manage funds. If you select those, it doesn't have to be with sharesies, although I'd like, you know, like to see <laughs> more and more kids on there. But, and then again, it's like the habit and the com- and when the kids are a bit older, probably that, that conversation around it and showing them that and helping them enjoy those those ups and downs of the market. Because by the time they're, um, you know, 15 or 16, they'll really st- start to see that coming through. And hopefully by that time they're into making their own money, they'll continue those habits. Yeah. And one thing I did was with my kids, we just, I do $5 since I've bought one a week into each of their accounts. And the, I think the oldest, she's five and she's maybe got like three grand now or something. And it's just incredible how much it grows. And you just think about, and this is just a test really. I just want mm. to see what $5 a week will be like when she's 18. I've yeah. got an idea in the back of my mind. But um, it's just such a really impactful, awesome thing to do for, for your kids. And I'm sure they'll be thankful forever. Yeah. Yeah. Then the other side of that is the sort of, you know, trying to yeah educate them so that they're not just going to go and access it and, and, and blow it, for instance. Because that's what sometimes I hear is, oh, we're worried about using sharesies for our kids because... We heard that when they turn 16, they can get access to the cash and pull it straight out of something. Yeah, so that's up to the parent. Like, I've yep. got my kids age set at 25, I think they can have it. So you can oh, set yeah. that in the app. Yeah. And, like, they're definitely not having it earlier. And maybe they'll be way better than what I ever would have been on. But yeah. I would be gutted when I turned 26, 27 to know that I'd, I could have been in a different position if I'd <laughs> done yeah. something differently, you know. And I was lucky. Like, when I was 17, I started this investment club. And the reason I started it was, A, at the time, you couldn't buy any investments by myself. I just didn't have that money. $50 a week, I worked out, I did some of my own maths, and I was like, someone taught me this formula somewhere, and I was like, all right, it's, if I do $50 a week for the rest of my life, I don't have to worry about retirement. So I'm just going to commit to this $50. Wow. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to ask my friends and family, because if I actually want to invest in something, firstly, I need more money than just $50 a week. Mm. And secondly, um, I need something to hold me to account. Because like nice. that's 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 the other thing, and we've like we still do this fifty dollars a week. I'm now thirty six, and like it's quite meaningful amounts of money now, and continuing to grow, 
and like the, those habits formed are just so good. Yeah, wicked. Because back then, when you were doing your fifty dollars a week, you couldn't go and buy stocks. You probably needed a minimum of five or ten grand. Is that right? So then you were pulling it with your friends. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we were. I mean, to be honest, we weren't looking at stocks. We were looking at houses because that's what oh, everyone looked for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was what you invested in. Yeah. But we ended up. You know, I grew up in Howard and Taranaki, mm. so uh, we ended up herd of cows to start with, which is pretty funny. But you know, all sorts of niche things. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Okay, mate. Next one was the same thing. Recommendations for setting up kids shares these accounts. So it's obviously like big for parents. So I guess like maybe what they're asking is, you know, because it's quite simple to set it up, Mm. right, for a child on the platform. So then maybe it's what do we put the money in, which you can't no doubt give advice. No, but we do have a kids auto invest order to help people get started in there. Okay, that you guys pre-set up. It's a pre-set portfolio, that's right. And it's, it's got some funds in there. And uh, multi-rate pie, so there's tax efficiency because sometimes pe- parents will go into things like that where kids are not going to get that, you know, the credits back okay. until child is earning an income. So it's quite yeah. good. make sure you're tax efficient from the start. Okay, so you've basically solved that for parents where you've set up some diversified funds. There's the yeah. options and effects, That's right. Epic. Someone says people who buy shares on sharesies are not true owners. A third-party company holds it on our behalf. How much risk is involved in this? Is it safe? How different is this to Hatch? Which is more safe from a layman's perspective? Need honest, unbiased answers, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hatch, my understanding, still just has US shares, and they're held in exactly the same place as shares as US shares are. So custody is basically the model of the US. There's not... uh, So CSN is a unique model. So the weird part's not having custody. The weird part is the fact that you can have it on the register as any Joe blog. Yeah. So that's not really such a thing in the US. Almost everything's in custody. Um, So specific to the hatch part, yeah, we're held in exactly the same place. Yeah. Safety I've touched on earlier, it's in custody. You absolutely own the shares yourself. You can take them at any time... Uh, onto your own record if you want. And if anything was to happen to sharesies, they're still your money. And you can ask through our help centre for our latest audits. So we have to, as part of our custody regulations, um, complete a, an annual custody audit, which is not point of time. It's, it's they has to be you know rolling. So basically they go through the whole past year and choose all random random samples, they actually audit code and everything to make sure that at any given time we're holding what we said we'd be holding for you. Yeah. Just because on that, maybe what people don't understand is that I own some shares that I've brought through a different platform, right? And I've used a brokerage firm effectively to buy me those stocks. And so then each month I get a statement from Link um, and then there's another one where basically, yeah, they tell me, yeah, Dickhead, this is how many shares you've got, right? It's rough. Yeah, yeah but just, it's not, you know, titled to dear, dear Dickhead, but, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yep, cool, there it is again. And I, if I haven't brought anything, then I don't even open it because I know well, it's probably not moved. Unless I've got a dividend reinvestment where there might have been a dividend, and so it's showing me, okay, it's increased the number of shares that you have because you didn't get your dividend paid out in cash. Yeah. You've had uh, more shares. Yeah, so any of the other broken firms, you can do it like shares, you can also move them onto the CSN so you get that same letter. Yeah, but um, I think that's probably what people don't understand because they may have only used shares. So when you say yeah. you can move the shares to yourself, they probably don't, like, they're probably thinking, well, where does it go? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. so the registry or link computer share holds the registry for the company. Yeah. And so if you want to put it on that yourself, you can. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And then with. You're right. 
<laughs> We're nearly done, mate. Don't worry. Hang in there. I feel like you're probably worried about why I'm coughing so much. The, um, yeah, so the the thing is that you can also, with those other platforms, pay a premium to have it held in custody. That's oh, well, I, say is I see. Irony. Yeah, okay. That's quite funny. So, yeah, you could use them to buy and sell, but then you could also pay them to hold, hold it in custody. That's right. Uh, extra. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then the last one, mate, is basically the same thing. Starting well, back to the kids. Starting out for kids. I'm starting both my boys out next year after we pay our mortgage off. Thirteen and eight years. I'm looking for resources that my team can relate to that will get him interested. His level age of understanding. And I'm starting to get asked this a bit more from people saying, "Hey, my son or daughter is 15. You know, what book would you suggest?" I'm thinking, "Shit, I I don't know. Like, I don't have kids, so I don't like giving parents advice because I'm not <laughs> like I'm not there yet to then go. Well, this is what this is great, but I was." I was buying Rich Dad Poor Dad at 15, so yeah, I was yeah, obviously too. a bit <laughs> off me the spectrum. <laughs> but at 13 and, and 8, it might be a bit early for that. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is giving them a regular amount in every week and then just spend, it's a good chance to spend some time with people and talk through it as well with mm. kids, right? And let them choose something. Let them do their own research online. Like, online is now where research happens in books, and if it's in books, it's old, but... Like the best thing is just to teach them that habit, and then they can end the ups and downs of the market with amounts and um, and and they'll they'll click on. They're amazingly, incredibly quick learners, kids, right? And some yeah. of them get passionate about it. And most people will tell you we hear all the time about how much better their kids are doing than them. Yeah, it's true. It's true with my kids as well. I, I yeah. my shares account, I go into all the tech, <laughs> um, yeah. which is high risk, high return. But I get that. And with the kids, I I use the sort of dollar cost averaging into a very diversified fund and they're doing very very well much better than me in this market yeah yeah so I think it's really just letting them do it starting the account putting some money into it and then letting them choose Mm. they might choose that hey actually I just automate this because this isn't for me and that is absolutely fine you're a very good investor if that's what you decide yeah and you're a very good investor if you decide hey I'm going to put a bit and I'm going to be a bit more active and everyone tells you the whole time like that it's right or wrong. The industry is the worst at it and it drives me nuts. It's like, no, like what matters is what even motivates you, your behaviors yeah. rule the roost, right? Saw this thing the other day and it was based, the best invest, investor hands down is one that keeps their automatic payment but has lost their password to the <laughs> investment platform. At the moment, that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, wow, that's cool. good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, it just says the habit, right? It's just that you just got to be putting that money in. Yeah. I feel like when I was a young fella growing up watching the news if we did there was actually a specific business section and it might have only been five minutes but it might have been what stocks are they up or are they down what's happening in the markets but now I feel like the only time that's reported on like it's still in the paper you can find in a paper yeah, around New Zealand yeah yeah I'll flick through and it's like oh yeah there's the the share prices for everything um, but you can get all of that you know online these days anyway but I feel like the only time that we really report on the stock market is basically like it's crashing or it's booming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. Which is a bit of a shame because it would be good to be getting some stories in front of younger people about different companies and things. Yeah. Like. I mean, actually, business news is coming back as opposed to, yeah, because like, it was, got even drier there for a while. Like, there was mm. nothing. And now there are some, um, you know, I think the NBR sort of stuck with it through. But now we've got business, yes, we've got the Herald doing stuff. True. There's quite a lot of stuff often. And it's all like news is ultimately following what people are interested in, right? No different than anything else. So, yeah. as people get more engaged with it, as KiwiSaver balances grow, like you can see the stuff coming back. It still dominates the Australian news and stuff, right? Yeah, where those dollar values are bigger. So, um, I think I think it will come back. And yeah, ha- having kids 
following that stuff on even waitlist or watchlist, sorry, mm. so they can see and they just go be like, what was that company I thought about buying but didn't buy done? You know, so, oh, that was a good decision. Well, that was a bad decision. But you just start to yeah. talk through it. And Business Desk, you guys have got a relationship with Business Desk, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we sponsor some data with them and we do a podcast yeah. um, together. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Because I think I saw that you could get a maybe a discounted subscription to yeah. Business Desk, for instance, if you are into your business news, maybe that's a good place to start. That is correct. Yeah. So that's on our on, on our Lunch Money podcast. You can find that. I can't remember often. Or oh, don't yeah. tell Business Desk this, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is a code there that you can get a yeah. get a good discount. It is it is good news. Yeah. There's a few free subsets. So Bernard Hickey does a good subset covering yeah. macro and business news. Jenny Ruth as well. And then you've got Business Desk MBR. So there's a few places. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the more you get that stuff around you, then the more you start to take interest in it. And yep, not everybody's going to be interested in that, but if you've got a child that is, then hey, I'd be trying to encourage that. You just don't know where that journey leads them to, right? Yeah, completely. And then, like you say, every kid's interested in different things, you know, and and that's why I think finding out what they're interested in, you know, kids, I hear about kids that invest in Lego, yeah. invest in the, these different things that they really like. Somebody went through Auckland Airport, invested in it because they could touch it. Like they make some really good decisions mm. based on... And they, they actually sometimes show you just how simple simple it can be. You guys have got your own book as well. Yes. Yeah, that rolled out this year or last year? Yeah, this year, yeah. Yeah, could be a good Christmas gift for some. Yeah, yeah, no, could be. Oh, I haven't read it to be honest. So what is, does it cover the basics and, yeah, and whatnot? Yeah, it's, it's yep. very much the basics and starts a little bit about sharesies and why we got started. Cool. And then it's, it's got a lot of information there on, on the how-to and like I call it a 101, but I really think it's you need to know. Like mm. I can't stress enough how, how we've overcomplicated lots of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Like we don't need to. It's yeah. I saw something the other day, massive reel on Instagram where it had millions of, of views and whatnot. And it was I can't remember the exact details, but it was a younger female, and she might have had two hundred thousand dollars invested, and was basically like, "Hey, when I'm sixty five, this is going to be worth like six million or something." Yeah. And it's just. You know, comments are just blowing in half. Like, <laughs> this is a lie. Daddy gave you the money. Where are you getting a 10% return? You're fucking ridiculous. Take this video down to like, oh my God, that sounds way too simple. But it's just the the time in the market type thing, right? Yeah. And even I was like, oh, I'm going to run a quick calculation on this just to see <laughs> if it's accurate. And I was like, oh yeah, shit, okay. Yeah, looks pretty reasonable. But the yeah. exponential part of the, of the growth, money growth formula is, yeah. is time. That's yes. right power of there's the superpower of money time yeah. yeah I think that's the and I mean even if you go and study Warren Buffett over 90% of his wealth accumulated after the age of 50 and 65 and whatnot Honestly, right there's so few extremely wealthy people I know who take I literally have a quote from one of our largest shareholders actually I won't say who it is but told me despite being very very wealthy he said if I'd sold nothing in my life I'd be far wealthier today yeah and it's just you know that time in the market versus the time in it yeah. Some of them go south, like that's fine. That's why you know you diversify enough across, and you're prepared to invest in that time, and it and it's not it's not a lottery, and like that's why the comparison with gambling is just not true because gambling is about the quick hit, right? You're trying mm. you're there trying to turn something into, and it's also why saying that you should only invest what you can afford to lose is not correct either. Like that's gambling. Yeah, you know, gotcha. it's like this is this is investing. This is by its very nature, it's a long game. And it's not, sometimes you think five to ten years long game, like that's not a long game. No. What would be the right saying then? Would it be invest what you can afford to continue to invest every week to form the best habit? Yes. It is the saying, like, not a number that means you can't, you have to eat noodles. 
and means that you're going to stop it next week. Yeah. And then try to grow it next time you get a pay rise or something. Well, mate, we've covered some serious ground there. Is there anything that you'd like to discuss that I haven't raised through this hour 10 or anything that you'd like to share with people who would be listening? Just that we're super approachable. Like, reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, in the, uh, intercom through the app. Yeah. <laughs> Off. You good? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Poor guy. I've, I've broken him here. Well, now our team's too far. Yeah. But yeah, just reach out. We're always happy to chat and um, get started investing. Nice, mate. Well, it's pretty incredible to go from an idea to quitting your jobs, over 500,000 Kiwis trusting you by sending money. How much did you say turns up every day? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know the number exactly, but yeah. between five and 10 million, maybe, yeah. maybe more than that. It's big numbers now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw even... You know, Henry, which you'll be familiar with, yeah. the accounting software, another great story in New Zealand. I've got a podcast coming out with them soon that, you know, they even have an option on their platform to basically like, okay, what percentage do you want over into Sharesies? Yeah, that's right. James, good mate of mine. Yeah. Um, not Henry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James from Henry. And they started the business in the same sort of accelerator type thing that oh, we cool. did a year after. So we followed really similar journeys. And you're right, they're, they're doing amazing things. Yeah. Bloody good to see, mate. Right, what is... What's next for Sharesies or even for yourself, mate? Anything you can let the people in on? Look, Sharesies, we're like a really purpose-driven company. We want to create financial empowerment for everyone, and that's a huge goal, and like mm. it's not going to be achieved. Um, it's not something you achieve, right? You're always just trying to chase that. So I'm going to be Sharesies until I feel like I've given, or until someone else is better at leading that, and I've given all I can. And I, I've still got heaps and heaps of ideas, and I think the community aspect of it, I want to keep breaking down things that make it hard to be an investor I want to, and most of those are confidence things so I just want to keep encouraging people that they can be and they should be yeah. and that they don't need to know anything else they can just get started today if they've got a dollar spare yeah, and then they can grow that every day so as far as I'm concerned I think there's still heaps of scope and cheersies for me to fill my cup yeah. and I think we can still have lots more impact there for cheersies yep like I say we've, we've got big big plans big 10 year strategy plans and we want to continue offering and democratizing more for people. And if you think about our three strategic pillars, if you like, what does it mean to be to achieve financial empowerment for everyone? You need access, you need confidence, and you need motivation. And we've sort of broken the back of access. If you ask me how to offer anything for a cent, I can probably tell you how we can do it. There's yeah. not really anything I can think of that we couldn't do that for. The confidence and motivation are harder. That sort of life to work stuff, right? So how are we going to make sure that people are confident to do that? And once I've got that confidence, also motivated. So those are things that change generationally. They change by different people. Mm-hmm. And we've got heaps to learn in that. So we're just going to keep focused on that. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, looking forward to following more of the journey of Sharesies, of yourself and the, the other people that are involved. So if people don't know, there's a book that you can read. Uh, you guys have got a number of podcasts as well. Yeah. Where people can hear specifically from some of the, the leaders of, you've given people access to the leaders of some of the biggest and best companies in New Zealand as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's some amazing podcasts and incredible things to listen to in there, yeah. Yeah, and you know, often I'll go and just pick out an industry that I might be interested in and think, like, holy shit, I can go and learn from the person on the ground of what they're thinking about and then take some of that knowledge and then go, right, how is that applicable to some of my clients? And think, well, I've got access to business analysts and whatnot. Maybe I've learned to think a little bit like that, but it just shows 
don't just look at podcasts as, oh, cool, I ticked off listening to that podcast so I can say, yeah, I listened to that one. You know, think about now the access we have to these people that if we were to tell our parents and even our grandparents, like, hey, basically dialed into a webinar with the CEO of Main Freight today or Freightways or whatever, they'll be yeah. like, fuck off, you did. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not possible. And you, you were there listening to it for half an hour, getting some of their best insights. So keep up the good work, mate. I'm sure we'll do a, uh, a part two at some stage and I'll shout you a, a cough lozenger next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you bull bugger. I'll get the wagon wheel out on to take us out. So I